Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Conversations on Dance is proud to have Yumiko as a continued partner in 2021. Yumiko is a company inspired by beauty and standards. As a leader in the dancewear industry, they take great pride in their impact as a socially and environmentally conscious brand. And today we have big news. In honor of springtime's arrival, Yumiko is offering a special in-store discount to our New York City listeners. Show that you are subscribed to Conversations on Dance at checkout and receive a 10% discount on your in-store purchase. For store hours, visit yumiko.com and be sure to follow along on Instagram at Yumiko to participate in their weekly giveaways and to stay updated on all things 2021. If you are looking for a great summer read, well, we have the perfect book for you. Introducing Being a Ballerina, The Power and Perfection of a Dancing Life. Written by a friend of the pod and former principal dancer with Oregon Ballet Theater, Gavin Larson, this memoir will hit home for dancers and audience members alike. Recently featured in the New York Times, The Dance Edit, and Point Magazine, Gavin brings you intimately behind the curtain, illustrating the thrills and challenges of a dancing life. This book will bring you closer to the art form that you love and is sure to take you on an emotional journey. Hear more about the book in our chat with Gavin in episode 225. Being a Ballerina is on sale on Amazon and book retailers nationwide. To find a retailer near you, visit gavinlarson.com. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. As we all know, over the past year, businesses and organizations have had to get creative in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic. Arts organizations are no exception. Today, we get to hear about how Joffrey Ballet found a unique way to get their dancers involved in the company's day-to-day operations. We speak with Joffrey company artist April Daly and Annie Lyons-Wright, Joffrey's Director of Annual Giving, about their new initiative, Company Artist Partner Program. Annie spearheaded this program, working closely with April. We chat with the pair about what the last year was like from the artist side and the administration side, and about how they all came together around a common goal.
Uh, April and Annie, thank you both so much for joining us today. Um, we're really excited to um, hear about what you're up to in Chicago. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah. We're excited. So, yeah. So let's get started where we start with all of our guests. We want to hear how both of you became interested in dance. Maybe um, April, how you started and Annie, how you became interested. So we'll start with you, Annie. Yeah, so I actually studied to be a opera singer so that I have a voice background. Um, but throughout college, I was really, really interested in arts administration and worked at um, the Wisconsin Union Theater when I was there in Madison and just fell in love with being a little bit more behind the curtain. Um, so when I was finishing up my degree, I um, I made that decision to start looking for like formal arts jobs when we moved to Chicago. And you know, it took a little bit of time, um, but the right opportunity presented itself um, within Joffrey Academy initially. So I started within their school, and I think um, all of you can probably imagine watching young dancers. It just it was the most inspiring work, and it led to me really wanting to tell the Joffrey story more formally um, within the fundraising and development department. And um, I was lucky enough, a position opened up shortly after I started and um, faked my way into the role. And I've been doing it now for about four years. And um, I, I love it so much. It's just the art form is so beautiful. Um, it, it's, it's so unique. And as someone with a background in music and voice, it's actually incredibly refreshing to go to the theater and not be able to critique what's going on on stage because I have ah. no formal dance training and I get to just fully be lost in the art. That's so funny you say that because I do feel like sometimes that tends to happen. Like as a dancer, it's hard to just sit back and objectively just enjoy because you're kind of like caught up in like, oh, someone's lived. Or like, right. you know? Exactly. Well, and I love the opera, but I go and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm really listening you see to the thing. So yeah. <laughs> I love that because I had literally, I just started going to the opera. Alistair would take me, Rebecca, sometimes uh -huh. in. And I just, I love the idea of like, of course, this, the nuance and everything, it's all the same as ballet. It's, I mean, it's completely, there are some parts of it that are objective, but a lot of it's completely subjective. And I'm just like, they're all great. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or, you know, you can kind of tell what you, what you like, like what I respond to, but I have no basis in, in technique yeah. or anything. I'm just like, I responded to this artist in this way. And that's that. Well, and especially starting in the Joffrey Academy, you know, a lot of those students are making those decisions on if they want to have formal dance careers and try out right. for companies mm -hmm. or if they you know really want to train for personal reasons but go on to do other things or teach or choreograph and so it, um, starting in that role was perfect for me because I could really kind of help counsel and, and talk to those young people as they were navigating those decisions. Nice that's awesome. April so, how about you? Um so I'm originally from Rockford, Illinois, not far from Chicago, and I started my dance training there. Um, I started a little bit later. I was about 11. I was a serious gymnast before then, and then got into like competition jazz and ballet and quickly fell in love with it. But I, there, there hadn't been anyone in Rockford who had previously become a professional dancer. And so I knew it was something I wanted to do, but had no idea how to get there. I went to summer programs and things like that, but still felt a little stuck. Um, so I actually ended up going to college right after high school. I went to the New School University in New York. Um, they had a program. It lasted, I think, only four or five years, a, a partnership with the Joffrey Ballet School and the New School University of BFA program. 
Cool. Um, so I was the original class of that and ultimately wanted to dance professionally. And in New York, it was the best place to be. I mean, I think I did like a hundred auditions right. every year trying to get a job. And uh, my second year there, I got a job with the Washington Ballet in DC. And so I went there for two seasons and ultimately wanted a bigger company and kind of wanted to be closer to home too. So I came to Joffrey and auditioned and got a job with the Joffrey and I just finished my 18th season. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> when yeah. you were growing up, would you go and see the Joffrey? I did. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We would go and see the company. So, yeah. So, so were you a- always kind of thinking about the company in the back of your head? Yeah. Like that, like as your home, home team? For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I would have been happy, you know, when you're like, I don't care where I go, but yeah, that was definitely the dream. And I think my parents to get to have me home and close by and it's been amazing. I mean, I love Chicago. So So for each of you, what were some of the the biggest drawing points about the Joffrey as an organization? I mean, obviously it's close to home. That's great. But you know, there must be something about the company artistically that makes you tick that made you want to, um, for April, you know, call it home for 18 years. Um, well, I just, I, I loved how versatile the company the company was and is that um, they have such a diverse rep and um, and kind of the idea that the company wasn't uh, a bunch of like cookie cut ballerinas like it was different everybody had different strengths and different um, different looks and and that really attracted me to the company I think just that um, yeah when we were in Chicago are you gonna say this Michael yeah yeah, when we were in Chicago for the is it the Chicago dance dancing festival? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We um when what year was that? Like 2016, 2017? Oh, 15. And we took class with the Joffrey. So I bet you we must have taken yes, class with you. Yes, for sure. I was gonna say I saw you guys dance. Oh, amazing. And that I was, was thinking, uh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, it was just like the most fun company. Like mm-hmm. you guys were all so welcoming. Like Miami City is kind of like quirky and crazy, and like that's like the. <laughs> But I mean, like, like having fun, like joking yeah. around mm-hmm. and you guys were the same way. Like it was just like, it uh-huh. felt very simpatico in the mm-hmm. way of like, just fun and just like not too serious. You know what I mean? People say that a lot and we're mm-hmm. definitely like, like it is, it's a more like we're serious and we get our work done, but there's definitely, it's like a family atmosphere where we can relax and laugh and yeah. Right. And what I noticed was that exactly what you just said that um, it was a very, it was a very varied company. It was very um, diverse in all its, um, you know, in heights and mm-hmm. like strengths. And it was, um, exactly. it's that so- same idea of like, all these people are, are individuals, but then somehow together it it works as this greater whole. I really, yeah, I love the company. And you guys were so welcoming <laughs> to us, which was so fun. I remember like we were just like chatting with people at the bar. Like it was so, it felt like normal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was super fun. How about you, Annie? For me, just just in the way that the company is really varied um, in the styles that they're able to produce, mm-hmm. I what drew me to it is that it's the Joffrey's such a community pillar and a cultural pillar in the city, um, and it has this this weight to it that people um, acknowledge and are excited to go to. But it's not just the company artists, you know, that we do a lot of work in the Chicago public school system. We have a huge community engagement program. Nice. Um, and we also have this full-fledged academy that 
serves students, you know, from one to 100. Um, so it, it, I really loved the the varied aspect that the, the mission is not just, you know, to perform the highest caliber ballet. It's really to leave a mark on the community of Chicago. Right. Right. I love that. So obviously this was a pretty intense year. Um, for you know the world but <laughs> I, you know arts organizations had particular um struggles and battles to wage so um can you just take us through a little bit about what joffrey's past year looked like um you know every company in america was different some were able to continue to perform live even some were just shuttered for the whole year so what was joffrey's journey like i can kind of give an overview of that and then april can fill in on her com- specific company artist um experience um so obviously march 13th the the day the world ended (laughs) um we we shut our doors you know as soon as um the chicago public schools announced that they were closing down we we did the same thing and we were incredibly lockstep with all of the cities and states announcements um and safety precautions so as an organization um we fully went remote as of march 14th and um we quickly learned that every day was a new scenario. Um, we ended up having to cancel the rest of our 2019-2020 uh, season. Um, at first, we were pro- postponing certain right. shows. We were right about to do um, Yuri Posikov's Don Quixote. And so, so that was first postponed and then canceled. And then we um, later on as we we kind of settled into the pandemic and knew that this was not going to be just like a month or two long um, scenario, we um, unfortunately had to cancel our full season this past season as well, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, it was really, really hard for our supporters to hear and, and the staff to announce. But I think our, our artists were the hardest hit because... Um, you know, it was supposed to be our opening season at the Lyric. We were making mm-hmm. this huge performance venue switch from the Auditorium Theater to Lyric Opera of Chicago. And it was our 25th anniversary in Chicago. And we had this season all lined up that was just already generated so much excitement. And so to be to, to have to cancel that was really, really heavy for our artists mm-hmm. um, and for our artistic director, obviously, because they... That's what they eat, sleep, and breathe is just um, being able to put magnificent art on the stage. So that was that was tough for us. Um, obviously, now we're gearing up for a full in-person season going into 21-22. So we're really excited to be able to remount some of those works. Um, like Don Quixote, that's definitely slated. We have um, several world premieres, several Joffrey premieres on the program. Um, and it will be, you know, our long-awaited arrival at Lyric Opera, Lyric Opera House. So we're obviously excited about that, but um, we were not untouched by the pandemic. And obviously, um, having to cut 100% of our contributed or 100% of our earned revenue, all of our right. tickets, having no ticket sales for the last, you know, 15 months, um, was incredibly financially challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in fundraising, that um, the the need for philanthropic support has never been more salient. So it right. was it was um, it was a struggle, but it also really really brought us together as not only an organization but 
brought us closer to our supporters. Mm-hmm. Everyone rallied around us in such a magnificent way. The need had never been more front and center. Um, and it's it's just been an incredible, incredible year full of innovation and opportunities as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you might have been too young to have been employed in a position like you are now at this point, but I'm curious, it feels like a really different um, struggle from the recession um, where, you know, a lot of donors were just losing tons of money. And now, you know, it was weird, like the stock market was up and, you know, some people, it was kind of just like frozen in time. Was there, like, do you know, Was is this a, a different experience for Joffrey in particular? Like what was 2008 like versus now? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think the first thing to acknowledge is this, we were all going through this globally. And right. it was this this first event that globally hit arts and culture. It wasn't, you know, even just Chicago specific, even just America specific. Right. And ballet is a medium that's so international mm-hmm. that that was something that we noted. Um, our supporters, you know, the thing that we saw the most was individual donations really, really go up, both in amount and number of donors. And I think there's a group, a large group of donors that appeared this year that were completely new, had never donated. You know, several of them were younger. Several of them w- mm-hmm. were probably following falling into wealth categories where they might not think of themselves as being able to donate in prior years. Right. But because the need was so apparent and because, you know, arts and culture at large was taken away, mm-hmm. um, it, it really placed this emphasis on I will give what I can. Mm -hmm. And I had so many conversations with donors where they just felt like, I wish I could give more. Um, That was really the sentiment. And uh, it allowed a younger generation of donors to emerge and flex that their philanthropic muscle for the first time um, and really showed showed us that we have more work to do on the individual giving side. Um, And so that that's like one of the main trends that we saw was the importance of our annual campaign and the importance of um, individual donors uh, that that really rose to the top. Yeah. And then April, what was it like for all of the Joffrey dancers? Obviously, you were shuttered as well out of the studio. You were doing Zoom classes, I assume, like the rest of the world. What were you guys all doing to kind of like stay in shape, stay together? Uh, it was intense. You know, like Annie was saying, it, it kind of, it, it started in pieces. Like it started like, okay, wait, how serious is this going to be? And just kind of postponing. And mm-hmm. we had already, um, we had just come back from a tour to Berkeley. And, um, and that week we had started Don Q rehearsals and we kind of like jumped right into it. And um, by the end of that week, yeah, we were like, okay, we're going to take the next week off and see what happens. And then it kind of been, okay, we're going to take the next week off and see what happens. And then you know, shortly after it became all right, we, we can't move forward with this. And so I think, I think it varied. I think some people, um, you know, people weren't able to travel home, you know, they were kind of, you know, stuck in, in their apartments, in their houses and things, um, doing zoom. We started with zoom right away. Uh, the company, you know, felt it was really important to keep it going all summer. And so they offered us company classes throughout the entire summer, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, they sent all of us, uh, or they gave us the opportunity to have the Harlequin dance floors. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to put down floors at home. Um, some people built bars. My husband built us a bar. That's amazing. <laughs> to be able to take class. Um, and 
I think some people did, you know, teaching on Zoom and trying to do kind of, you know, workshops and things like that to keep it going. And, and, you know, I think it was always the, well, not, I think it was definitely always the mission of the Joffrey and Ashley to, to kind of put the dancers first and taking care of us. And we are so, so fortunate. I mean, talking to dancers in other companies and just kind of what was going on out there, like we, we were really, really fortunate. And every conversation, every company meeting we always had, um, I mean, coming all the way from the board of directors was how can we take care of the dancers and what can we do to take care of the dancers and how can we keep the company whole? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also AGMA rep for, for our union. Nice. And so I was also involved in negotiating our kind of contract for, for that season and what mm-hmm. that was going to look like. And, um, and I mean, I think, again, we were so lucky. The company took such good care of us. We ended up, in, I think around September 6th, we were finally able to get in. Uh, it was a huge task with all the COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, our head of facilities, John Kurtz at Joffrey, was wonderful in making sure that um, the company was ready to take us in there. And, you know, we we had a pod situation. I think in the beginning, there were only like five people per pod. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the ballet masters were very busy teaching a lot of different ballet classes. And then, you know, like there would be a teacher in the main studio and then kind of like streaming mm-hmm. in the other studios. Um, and then of course there, you know, because it happens, we had some COVID cases in the company and so then we'd kind of like shut down and go back to zoom at home for a couple days Mm -hmm. and that straightened out um but even that being said I feel like it was it was very few cases and the Joffrey was prepared for it we were ready for it kind of like Annie was saying too it opened up this opportunity for how can we still remain relevant and show ourselves to the world Mm -hmm. and um, I want to rewind for a second to your AGMA rep status. I was a um, company rep for Miami City Valley. We weren't a uh, union, so I did the similar kind of role. And I don't think we've ever talked about that on the podcast. So really fast. And also <laughs> I'm fascinated to hear what that role was like during this past year. I can't even imagine. So tell us a little bit about what generally on a normal year your roles are like, and then what um, kind of this year was like and how you kind of had to take on um, probably some more responsibilities. Yeah, for sure. Um, generally, so we're a union company um, with AGMA. And so the union just kind of makes sure that um, that the artists are, are protected, taken care of, that, you know, the amount of hours that we work, um, if it goes over, you know, that we're, we're taking care of just kind of um, when we go on tour, making sure that all of our um, all of the, the elements of tour are in place that we have the correct floors and, you know, temperatures and things like that. It's just kind of like little details, but in a regular year, I mean, it's, it's not too eventful. Like yeah. um, I'm trying to think it's maybe. You're part every of contract negotiations. Contract. Probably, right? Yeah. Every, every four or five years we have contract negotiations and those are bigger years where we, we sit down and we look at the contract and say, okay, what did, what worked the last couple of years, what didn't work and the company can do the same thing on their side. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those, those are definitely, actually this past year was supposed to be a negotiation year, but <laughs> yeah, we, again, um, it was great. We worked it out that we've actually pushed it back to next season because we wanted to get into the opera house and kind of see how that looks before we negotiate another contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just came up with something for this, this coming season. 
So generally it's just taking care of the dancer, you know, knowing that they can come to us if they have any concerns and, you know, that we're the voice of the company and making sure that everybody feels protected and feels safe um, and that we have a good work environment. And when we had a situation like this past year with COVID, you know, it was making sure everybody was okay, of course, and then working a lot with, you know, um, with the company to see how, how we could still have a complete season taking care of the company. Mm-hmm. And things kind of like um, they would say, okay, this, the company would say, here's our proposed return to work COVID protocols, dancers, how do you feel? And then did you guys kind of come back? Was that part of the conversation? It definitely was part of the conversation. Um, and also AGMA has their own set of COVID, uh, ah. COVID rules, which was, which was wonderful. So I mean, they were, I mean, I have to say Joffrey's were already fantastic. I mean, I think they were almost stricter than AGMA's, but AGMA has like, had a set of, you know, like this whole team of people to make sure that everything was done a certain way. Right. So I think by the time it got to the company, there wasn't really anything else to do. To think about. Yeah. yeah. They had thought of literally everything, um, like almost to extreme, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. but I think some people were like, wait, but other companies are going in and doing this and doing this. And so, and, and that was frustrating in a way too, because like Annie was saying, like we wanted to be in the studio, everybody right. wanted to get in there. And so you're kind of like, I don't, not, I don't care, but you know, like how are other people doing it and we're not doing it. Right. And, well, uh, yeah, I mean, you eventually lose resolve. Like that's why, you know, it, social distancing isn't, isn't fun for you know, most people. And um, we need, especially dancers. I mean, you're you're literally in the studio all day, every day with people being yeah. touched by everyone in the studio. Yeah. You know, it's like chore- choreographically speaking, you are often touching people. So it's like I'm sure that loss, um, you know, weighs heavily. And you do get to a point where you are just like, I don't care. Like yeah. the, you can't feel the threat of COVID physically. So you're just like, oh, fine, I want it. And other companies were you know, maybe less cautious, but, you know, finding that, striking that balance, it sounds like you guys had a good um, relationship with the company trying to strike that balance. For sure. Yeah, go ahead. One thing I'll add is, and something we're incredibly proud of is that we did not have a single community outbreak during the many, many months that our building was open. And obviously that means that we did have a few people that were found out that they did have COVID, mm-hmm. but it never spread. Right. And that tells us that job well done. Right. You know, we had masks, we had distancing, we had um, elevator limitations, mm-hmm. we had fever checks, you know, we had everything in place to make sure that the environment was safe for our artists because a part of keeping our artists whole is keeping them physically well. Um, and for our students, you know, we had our students going in and out to, um, <clears throat> One, one fun fact that I'll share is, you know, the first week that we went into lockdown, our academy put together over 80 virtual classes within that first week. Wow. wow. Um, they just grinded the whole time. Um, they were able to set up live talks with international artists. You know, the, the students got to talk to Christopher Wheeldon. Mm-hmm. We had, there was, there was just an explosion of creativity within our school as mm-hmm. well. Um, and once the once the artists were able to return, you know, shortly after we we started talking about, you know, how do we get our students back as well? Because our tower is where we host our academy. So it was just um, April mentioned John Kurtz, but he's he's our facilities director, and he just did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Well, it sounds like um, you know the dancers were really well taken care of. 
mentally, emotionally. Um, but you guys work on this other thing that's about taking care of the dancers beyond just um, your career on stage. And it's called the Company Artist Partner Program. Um, can you guys tell us a little bit about what this is and, wh- and what it does for the dancers? Yeah, so the the program aimed to encourage professional development for our company artists during this pandemic, um, especially because we had this, they had this new amount of time on their hands. Um, and, and like April mentioned, you know, our, one of our number one priorities was keeping all of our artists on contract throughout the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So this was a creative way to, um, offer some professional development to them. And also for on our end, on the administrative end, you know, our donors were constantly asking about our artists, what they were doing, how they were doing, were they at home? Did they go back to their home country? And so it was a really unique opportunity to place our artists front and center. And um, some of the things that we did within our development department was use them to make thank you calls or write acknowledgments letters to our supporters. Um, and that was one of the most meaningful things that a, that a donor could receive mm-hmm. because they connect so much to our Joffrey artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a great way to share knowledge. Um, we talked a lot about kind of like career transitions. Certain people wanted to know certain things. Um, I think it brought a lot of new perspectives and insights on both sides, you know, it kind of broke down that silo between staff and artists. And really we got to learn a lot about what they do and the skills that they could bring to the administration and vice versa. You know, they got to learn a lot about how, um, you know, how money is raised and how an organization kind of functions on the admin side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. April, how were you a part of this program? Um, so when we were discussing and, you know, figuring out how the season was going to look, unfortunately, you know, there, there were some, um, some people let go within the organization. And so it was a, the, the company was a little bit lighter that year. And so we were looking at how, you know, to, to keep the dancers all on salary and keep the company whole. And so we discussed this partnership program to kind of supplement within the organization. And, and like Annie was saying, it was a great opportunity because a lot of dancers, you know, we, we have a young company and sometimes you're not thinking what's going to happen next. You're in the right. thick of it and, mm-hmm. you know, you're not even thinking about the other side. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the interests are there. And so it was an opportunity. What uh, the company did is kind of made these uh, surveys where every dancer would fill out what their interests were, kind of ranking them and seeing. And then they sat down and placed us all in kind of groups within the organization. And, um, and yeah, it was awesome. And it was a, you know, we'd sit down with our team and our team head and just kind of discuss like what interested us about that and what we were hoping to learn or, you know, what experiences we wanted. Um, and it was, you know, just kind of working together on that. And right. Yeah. How do you feel that, um, that brought the organization together? Like we know how it can be like, there's the administration side and you see people and you wave as a dancer, you know, like, you know who they are, but it's not like you necessarily have tons and tons of interactions. So how do you feel like that kind of brought the whole organization together? I mean, it was an incredible experience. Um, there were a lot of challenges the last 15 months, but the the company artist program was a highlight for me um, just because, like I said, we we really got to know our artists on a personal level and a professional level in a way that we might not have before. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and our supporters got to as well. You know, these are the, the reason that they give is the art and motivated by the art that they see on stage. So to be able to connect them directly with some of them, I think it really it underscored the Joffrey's culture of family. Right. Um, we we really think of ourselves as a family. We think of our audience and our supporters as a part of the Joffrey family mm-hmm. and um, breaking down you know, that silo that I talked about that can sometimes be apparent, um, between artists and staff, it was, it was just really refreshing. And we were so thankful for the help, um, and the fresh perspective, you know, these are three-dimensional people. They're not just artists and they have a lot to offer the staff. Um, and just on a personal note, it was really fun working with April directly just because we were both pregnant during the pandemic. Oh gosh. And, so it was fun to be able to be like, oh, how are you feeling? And, you know, that's a unique experience in and of itself. And I probably wouldn't have, you know, forged that friendship otherwise. So that was fun to have a little pandemic baby. When did you guys have your babies? <laughs> um, I had mine in February. Okay. Anyway. And I had mine in November. Oh my gosh, how fun. <laughs> you really timed that. You did. Chef's <laughs> kiss. <laughs> pregnant March 9th so like literally the Monday of that week was when we found out and then I was like well here we go that's perfect (laughs) I mean that's that's one gift from the universe in a pandemic I mean that you could certainly the silver lining I mean yeah the timing has been incredible and I'm sorry if you hear a little something he's here we're we're Florida I don't know do you know Addie and Tadas um oh yeah 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 and stuff. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we have the two babies here. Oh, oh. <laughs> we haven't, Uh-oh. we haven't heard anything. You're good. <laughs> so is this program going to be able to continue post pandemic as we move into a, a, the new, uh, the new age of less COVID restrictions and all that? The amazing thing is they did, they offered it. So now moving forward, um, it's no longer, cause it was sort of like a requirement for our, mm-hmm. our season. Sure. And so moving forward, it's no longer going to be a requirement, but they found that the dancers loved it. The company loved it. Um, so they're still offering it mm-hmm. to people who are interested to continue to continue doing it. They're keeping it available, which is which is really awesome. And like Annie said, too, I wanted to like also just reiterate that it was amazing that it brought us all together because the dancers we can't do what we do without everybody else around us. Right. Like we are all constantly working together, but we don't always have the opportunity to do it face to face and mm-hmm. to do it literally together. Right. Um, and I think the dancers do have a lot of things they could offer, even like social media, things like that, you know, like some of our dancers are really on top of it and know, you know, and they could contribute different ideas and, mm-hmm. and different things yeah. to that. So, well, speaking of that, I did want to ask you guys, Annie, you mentioned um, that you found kind of like this increase of younger donors. Do you guys have any, ind- any indication as to maybe why that was during this time in particular? Did it have to do with some of that like digital marketing and outreach? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the next year, two years is all going to be about cracking into the data of the last 15 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're already starting to see some really, really great um, reports on the pandemic. Um, anecdotally, yes. I mean, we we saw a huge increase of online donations. Um, and, and part of that is linked to our digital presence right. that we had during the pandemic and, you know, just out of necessity that we had to have. Um, it'll be interesting to see you know, if this younger generation of donors um, sticks with us and continues, you know, post COVID. Um, 
but I, but I think the digital presence, the digital presence that organizations have had to adopt um, during the pandemic, you know, it's not necessarily all just going away. Right. You know, mm-hmm. we're looking at the next year and starting to plan in-person events. And the conversation is not, you know, okay, great, in-person events again. It's really about, all right, we can have in-person events. You know, how are we going to still make those accessible Mm -hmm. to people worldwide? Because we have this new audience that we have acquired. Um, You know, maybe it's a mom staying home with her kids that can't attend or someone who's older and doesn't have the means to, you know, get there or whatever, whatever the case, we really want to provide accessibility to the programs that we offer. And we've seen the last year that we can do it. And that's, so that's no longer an excuse. Um, And it's really just a way to capitalize on our audience and to reach as many people as possible. Right. For sure. Uh, I'm wondering when will the Joffrey be back? Um, with in-person performances? When's the first show? Ooh, well, our first performance is actually outdoors at Ravinia. Um, Yeah, so typically our season starts in mid-October. So our our season will start at the Lyric on October 13th Mm -hmm. um, with a program called Home, a Celebration. And it's a bunch of, it's it's a few different pieces, but two of them are choreographed from artists from within our own Joffrey family. Um, so our Ravinia performance is on September 17th. Um, and I'll let April talk a little bit about that program, but we, we haven't been, um, hosted at Ravinia in 11 years, I think. So it's, it's, so we're, we're quite excited to be back, um, and on, on the docket there. I'm I'm looking at the program for Ravinia. I'm sorry. I know. Oh, I can talk a little bit about it. <laughs> well, one of so one of the pieces that we're performing at Ravinia is um, a beautiful piece titled "Swing Low" by Chanel De Silva, and that piece is also featured in our um, first performance at the Lyric on October 13th. Um, home, a celebration. So that'll be a little sneak peek of our first season performance. Mm-hmm. And then another another highlight of Ravinia is we're performing The Times Are Racing by Justin Pack. I love Times Are Racing. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Justin is um, such a huge fan of the company. Um, yeah. He always, he just raves about you guys. We're a huge fan of him too. <laughs> Have you guys learned that yet or is someone coming to Yeah, we performed it. it. That's actually, we performed that in Berkeley right before. <laughs> It was our last performance, nice. in-person performance. Uh-huh. I'll also have you know he's very he's particularly picky about times of racing. He's like he he won't give it to other companies. <laughs> he was just Exclusive. like but Joffrey, like it's like I'll, I'll, Joffrey's great. Like they can they can have it. But I know he's he's so much fun to perform. Actually, so I was pregnant. And I didn't know it when I did it. Uh, <laughs> <But>. That's fun. <laughs> I didn't know that. That is fun. <laughs> Um, and then what else? Yeah. On that so program? we're, um, we also have beyond the shore. Um, that's another piece by, uh, Nick Blanc, who's one of our ballet masters. Oh, very cool. I remember he, he danced in San Francisco ballet, right? Yeah. yeah I certainly remember yeah. his SF days. Yeah. I love this element of home. That's so, that feels so right for the first thing to kind of come back to and to reintroduce yourselves back onto the stage. Oh, it's going to be so exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be really great. I think the company is definitely ready. Yeah. And it's cool because a lot of these works or most of them were choreographed during the pandemic, like mm-hmm. in the studio. So it'll be 
really amazing to get them on stage. It'd be so great to see all of the um, innovation that's come out of this time. You know, like not only have dancers not been able to be dancing, but choreographers have been looking for outlets as well. So I think that, you know, seeing all of that new creation is going to be really amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just before we close, um, in addition to this um, artist partnership program, is there one other thing that um, you guys will kind of keep that you started during the pandemic that you want to um, keep continuing forward? Annie? Um, you know, the phrase, that's a great question. And the phrase that I always return to that um, we strive to embody at the Joffrey, but I think the last 15 months has really emphasized is radical empathy. Mm. Um, the CAP program, the the company artist program embodies this phrase. We really got to um, empathize with what the what the artists were going through. They got to empathize w- with what we do on an everyday basis. And um, it's a phrase that I will take into the post-pandemic era because it was such a hard period of time for everyone. You know, everyone has this story from 2020 about where they were in their life and why it was particularly challenging for them. And when you talk about individual giving, you're really talking to these individuals. Everyone had something that they were going through. And as an organization, it was our job to approach them with sensitivity and empathy and um, encouragement if they were able to give to support a cultural institution in Chicago that is has been such a pillar and that we wanted to make sure um, ended the year financially strong. So it was it, it's a phrase that means something new to all of us now. Um, and it's a it, it's it's a phrase that we will hold true to with every program that we continue to do in this post pandemic era. That's beautiful. What about Um, That's a really great question. I'm sitting here trying to think. Um, Yeah, I I think just, uh, just thinking, yeah, it was, it was a really difficult year for everyone and it really brought us all closer together. Like we were saying throughout the entire organization. And I think we saw how, how powerful that was. And um, how much stronger it made us and what we were able to produce with that. And I think moving forward, if we can continue to nurture these relationships and all work together and not just think of ourselves as kind of, you know, in our one department, but how can we continue to do this as a whole? I think it'll continue to make us stronger. Um, That's great. I think this is so cool. I think, I mean, I'm, kind of like a little jealous. Like, I wish we had done some stuff like that. I mean, of course, out of necessity, you guys did this, but now you found this like amazing way to kind of bring the dancers and um, the administration together. I think it's so cool. And we're fans of the company. We love seeing you guys dance. So wishing you all the best in this new season. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.